This is Cashflow Ninja, episode 128, with Tom Wheelwright. Welcome to the Cashflow Ninja, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Now, here is your host, MC Laubscher. Hello everyone, MC Lobster here and welcome to another episode of the Cashflow Ninja. I have a great show for you today and in today's show we're going to look at taxes. Yes, that's right. We're going to look at how to increase your cash flow in your personal economy by legally deducting home business expenses. We're also going to be looking at a very refreshing philosophical approach to taxes and also discussing the merits of actually purchasing assets like real estate in an IRA. My guest today is Tom Wheelwright. Tom Wheelwright is a leading wealth and tax expert, best-selling author, entrepreneur magazine contributor, and CEO of ProVision. Tom is best known for making taxes fun, easy, and understandable, and specializes in helping entrepreneurs and investors build wealth through practical and strategic ways to permanently reduce taxes. As a rich dad advisor to Robert Kiyosaki, Tom frequently speaks at conferences worldwide on these topics. His work has been featured in Forbes, Accounting Today, Investors Business Daily, Consumer Reports, ABC News Radio, Fox News, Fox and Friends, CBS News Phoenix, Go Banking Rates, Consumer Reports, NPR, and many more media. Please share your feedback and thoughts with me on today's interview. You can let me know your thoughts on Twitter by tweeting me at MC Laubscher or by email at info at cashflowninja.com. And please remember to join our mailing list by signing up at cashflowninja.com or texting cashflowninja, one word, all capitalized, to 44222. That's two fours and three twos. Have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Are you interested in real estate investing and don't know where to start and how to get the results you want? For valuable information to get you started, visit JoinUps Properties at joinupsproperties.com. Globally, coffee is a $90 billion industry, and International Coffee Farms offers a sustainable income opportunity through offshore sustainable agriculture. You can own a parcel of your very own cash-flowing specialty coffee farm in Panama. For more information on this income opportunity, you can download your free report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. Listeners of the Cashflow Ninja can also grab a free audio book download from Audible when you try Audible for 30 days. You can grab your free audio book download at CashflowNinjaBook.com. Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's absolutely great being with you this morning. Thank you. Tom, can you please share a little bit about your background and your journey with my listeners? I would be happy to. Um, you know, I grew up in uh, Salt Lake City, Utah. So I grew up um, in what we call Mormonville. And as such, I, uh, of course, was expected to serve a mission when I turned 19. And uh, my, my buddies all, everybody wanted to go to South America. Everybody's so nice down there. 
and uh, so inviting. And uh, they sent me to France. And so I learned my first lesson on entrepreneurship in France. Uh, and, and the first lesson on entrepreneurship, of course, as you know, is rejection. And uh, learned how to uh, take rejection over and over and over and over again, which was really an amazing learning experience. And then uh, after two years, I came back home and uh, went to the University of Utah, where I graduated with a Bachelor's of Accounting um, and, in Accounting. And I, then I went to the University of Texas, where I got a Master's of Tax. Um, really, for the last 35 years, I pretty much devoted my entire life to studying the tax laws of the U.S. and um, and uh, countries around the world. I was uh, three years in the national tax office at Ernst & Young um, back uh, in the Reagan days. <clears throat> and uh, uh, what I did there was develop courses and teach courses around the country to uh, CPAs on U.S. tax law. And then I spent uh, 14 years as an adjunct professor at Arizona State University, um, teaching masters of tax students. And I spent the last 25 years um, serving entrepreneurs and investors, really teaching uh, entrepreneurs and investors around the world how to permanently reduce their taxes um, through my company, ProVision, which is a CPA firm based out of Phoenix, Arizona, that uh, has clients in 50 states and uh, about 30 countries around the world. Not not much of a life, but it was it's been pretty fun. No, fantastic. And I have to say, I've never been so excited to talk about taxes. <laughs> when getting on this call with you, you've provided so much value in your book, Tax-Free Wealth. For my listeners not familiar with that book, can you please explain your philosophical approach to taxes? Yeah, absolutely. You know, most people are scared to death of taxes, and, and I get it. You know, taxes are nothing, something that nobody looks forward to paying. And, and really, people are mostly afraid of being audited. They're, being afraid, of the, they're afraid of the tax authorities. This is this, this huge hammer, very scary thing, very complex. We look at taxes very, very differently. Um, the tax law, when you look at it, is um, really made up of two things. There's, there's, there's one line that says all income is taxable, unless we say it isn't. There's another line that says all expenses are non-deductible. In other words, no expenses are deductible unless we specifically say they are. And then there's a few charts and tables that tell us how much tax to pay on our income. But 99% of the tax law in the U.S. and all other countries is fundamentally a series of incentives. And it's incentives to do what the government wants you to do. Um, most of those incentives are for entrepreneurs and investors, um, but there are other incentives. I mean, for example, if you want to send your kid to college, uh, the government wants you to send your kid to college, so they give you a tax credit for it. If you want to adopt a baby, the government wants you to adopt babies, and so they give you a tax credit for it. So um, there are just hundreds and hundreds of tax incentives, and these are not loopholes. These are not things that are, you know, they're, they're scary things to do or mistakes or anything like that. These are, these are incentives that the government, that they put in there on purpose because the government understands, and this is true all around the world, governments understand that people hate paying taxes and that a little incentive through a tax benefit will go a long way. So the whole point of tax-free wealth is that we are partnering with the government when we um, 
when, when we take advantage of these tax incentives, we're not looking for any loopholes. We're looking for those incentives that apply to us. And then if there are ways that we can change our own situation so that more incentives apply to us, then we're just doing more of what the government wants us to do. I love that approach because that completely changes the mindset of, again, scarcity and being afraid of the IRS to the one of abundance and saying, well, here's a blueprint for me uh, and things that the government wants me to do and all of these incentives and rules that I need to play by. No, that's exactly what it is. It, it really is a rule book. And uh, you, know, you look at it as a guide map or, you know, uh, you know, a, a guidebook, whatever it is. But, you know, it's a code, you know, that's the Internal Revenue Code. And, and it, it does require some interpretation, which was the point of tax-free wealth is to help interpret it um, because it is a code. And it's a code that very few people understand. Um, even among, even in my profession, unfortunately, very few people understand that it is a code that the purpose of the code is to unlock the things the government wants us to do and, and give us an opportunity to uh, really serve the public the way the government would like us to and would provide incentives to do so. Now, Tom, there's a lot of small business owners listening to the show, and um, you have put out some fantastic content on advice uh, for small business owners, and you recently released two checklists on home office deductions, and most of these deductions are overlooked by these small business owners. Why do so many uh, small business owners shy away from home office deductions, in your opinion? You know, it's because they have bad tax advice. I mean, it's just, I I love to be around the bush, but it's not not my nature. Um, (laughs) You know, know, I I, uh, I, I speak around the world and everywhere I speak, I always ask the same question. I said, so how many of you have ever been told not to take a deduction that you felt you were entitled to because it might raise a red flag or cause you to be audited. And almost 100% of the room raises their hand every time. And it just astonishes me because you, you, you think, about, think about being an IRS auditor just for a second. I mean, let's, let's kind of put people's minds at ease here about the IRS. Think about the, the typical IRS auditor. This is a job where you walk in every day and your customers hate the sight of you. They can't stand the idea of you being in their office. They don't want to meet with you. They don't want to talk to you. Okay. They see you as the enemy and these are your best customers. So typically you don't get the best and the brightest going into the IRS. Okay. That's the good news, frankly, because the, the, the good news is, is that the best and the brightest go to big four accounting firms, you know, or, you know, we're, we're fortunate to get them from, um, you know, we, we really do a, a major recruiting job in our office. So we're after the best and the brightest and we pay the best and the brightest, the same, same rates they're getting at big four. So we have a really good shot at them. And, um, and so, you know, we're, we're getting the A students and the IRS is getting the C students. So if, if you're afraid of the IRS, it, it's probably because you're working with somebody who you're working with somebody who's afraid of the IRS. Okay. It's not your fault. Um, you're working with somebody who's afraid of the IRS. Well, imagine being afraid of a C student. It's, it's like being, it's, it's like going to play um, basketball on a, in a one-on-one tournament and okay, you're going up against a good high school player, 
but you have the option of going hiring an NBA player to, you know, be in your place. Why would you, you know, why would you hire somebody who's afraid of the, the, the high school player? It makes no sense to me. So that's actually why I, I think that there's just a lot of CPAs who don't understand a lot of tax preparers. I mean, you know, really more non-CPAs than CPAs, but a lot of tax preparers are just scared to death of the IRS. So what they do is they say, look, this might raise a red flag. This might, this might do this, might do, do that. And, and they're actually working for the IRS. So, but here's the thing. They're also out of touch with the law because it has been many, many years. It's literally been 20 years since having a home office deduction. If you report it properly, was a red flag. Um, if you're reporting, if, if you're actually treating your business the way you should, Okay, like a real business, you know, not a Schedule C. Okay, if you're if you're reporting on Schedule C, you should be scared to death of an audit because you have a five times higher chance of being audited than anybody else. But why are you reporting on Schedule C is the question. And if you're not reporting on Schedule C, then when you take your home office deduction, it doesn't show up anywhere. There is no place, there is no form for home office deduction unless you have a Schedule C. There's no form for a home office deduction unless you have a Schedule C. There is one other. You have a Schedule E. You're, you're, you're doing rental properties. You can take your home office deduction as a uh, property, you know, property owner. But those are the only two times. And nobody has to have a Schedule C. Nobody has to have a Schedule E. Okay. So you're, if, if, you're, if you're afraid of that home office, let me say, not you, but if your tax preparer, your tax advisor is afraid of that home office deduction, it chances are, You've got other problems besides the home office deduction. First, you've got a tax advisor who is afraid of the IRS. And second of all, you're reporting your income in the wrong place. It's not the best place to reporting. So I know this is a lot to be hammered with, you know, right off the bat here. But, you know, let's, you know, let's take advantage of our time here and, and say what's really going on. And that is that if you're missing deductions, it's because you probably have the wrong tax advisor. That's why I devoted a whole chapter of Tax Free Wealth on how to find the right tax advisor. Um, chapter 23 of Tax Free Wealth is how to find the right tax advisor. Because I think my, my um, experience is that outside of your spouse, your tax advisor is going to have more impact on your long-term wealth than any other single person in your life. Very, very powerful. And that, I mean, listeners listening to this, you should be asking yourself, am I playing with an A player, a LeBron James, as you pointed out, Tom, or not? And if the question is not, just as you, just as you mentioned, the most important person besides your spouse is, your, is going to be your tax advisor. One of the biggest wealth destroyers out there is your taxes. So you're going to have to limit and reduce it in a way. And this is one area that you should not cut corners on. Now, Tom, staying on just of practical advice for listeners of how, what they can do for small business owners. Can you share the eight legal personal expenses of your home office that you discuss in these checklists with my listeners? Yeah, of course. I mean, really, there's, there's a lot in your home. I mean, yeah, I'm sitting in my home office, okay? I am. I'm, I'm right now. I'm sitting in my home office. Um, I have a beautiful view of, of the garden and, and, and outside, so there's a lot of other benefits. I, I didn't have to travel this morning. So, one, you know, obviously, I'm sitting at my desk, which is obviously deductible. I'm, I'm looking at my supplies and my computers and all that kind of stuff, all deductible. 
Okay. I'm, uh, I've got lights on. Okay. So my utilities for my home office are deductible. I've got, um, I, I've got a cleaning person who comes at, you know, tw- uh, twice a month portion of that's going to be deductible. Um, so my utilities, my clean, my, my cleaning, I mean, pretty much everything, even a portion of the house itself through depreciation is, is deductible. Um, so there's, a, a and, and on top of that, there's, there's one thing that most people don't recognize. And that is that when you have a home office, you actually increase your automobile deduction. And the, there's actually a notice from the IRS on this. So the IRS subscribes to this as well. Um, this is not at all a red flag, just so you know. This is actually prescribed by the IRS that if, if you have a home office and you walk into your home office the first thing in the morning and you do your administrative work and then you go out and do your client work, you, you go visit your properties, you, whatever else you're doing during the day, no longer is that commuting. See, the, the, the very first trip, the IRS defines commute, which is a personal expense, not a business expense, as the first trip you take during the day. Well, my first trip is 20 feet from the kitchen to my home office. And my last trip of the day is also a commute. That's the trip from, uh, again, from my home office, because this is where I end my day. And I, it's my, the trip from my home office to my kitchen. Okay. So obviously I like to spend time in my kitchen, um, which might explain why I need to lose a little weight. But um, it's 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 little things like that where it, it, you think about it. If you were if you were to be able to count your, your what you think right now is your commute, which is that first trip of the day and the last trip home, if you were able to treat treat that as business, for most people that would be that would close to double your automobile expense. Because remember your automobile expense. Is an alternative. You have a alternative choice. You can choose between mileage or percentage. Well, for a lot of people, what do they do? They 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 they, they do. They probably do some work at their home anyway. They just don't have a home office set aside, or they're not deducted because their advisor told them not to. And, and then they go in and they they go to. If you're a doctor, you go to a hospital. If you're um, if you're a real estate agent, you you know you you go to. Um, you know, you, the, the real estate brokerage office, right? You can have two offices. It's okay. It, you just have to be very clear on what you do in, in both of them. Make sure you sit down with, by the way, on all of this, make sure you sit down with your tax advisor and go through it in detail um, because I can't possibly give you the detail over uh, in an interview like this. But what, what you do is, is then, so you're, you're documenting all of your travel, Okay. Make sure that you, you know, you go to that home office, you go to that, wherever you're going is a legitimate business expense. Okay. So don't go from, don't go from your home to run errands. Don't do that. Go from your home to go to your first business appointment. You know, it's just little things like that, um, that really make the difference in taxes because, you know, the goal is to deduct, um, as much as we can. We're, we're taxed on our net income or not tax on our gross income. Um, if, but it's our net income, it's net business income. Okay. Not net personal income. So we, to, for a business expense to be deductible, a few things have to happen. So maybe this will be helpful for the listeners here. One is there has to be a business purpose. In other words, a business reason for it. Number two is it has to be ordinary or typical for that business owner uh, in, in their business. 
okay? And third is it has to be necessary. And necessary simply means that the, the purpose of it is to increase your profit, okay? It's necessary to increase your profit or it's necessary to expand your market share, all right? And then one more thing has to happen, and that is that you have to document it. So whether it's your home office, your automobile expense, your meals and entertainment, your travel, what, whatever that, that business expense is, if it's not documented, it's not a deduction. So uh, I, I would suggest everybody write that down. If it's not documented, it's not a deduction. Um, so you have to document it. The IRS, by the way, will not accept a credit card um, statement as documentation of expenses. You have to actually have the receipts. So scan the receipts. There's plenty of apps out there, you know, to handle that. And scan your receipts and uh, keep a scan copy. Make sure you document what you were doing and, and, and the reason for it. There's apps for handling your mileage, okay, that, that we've got GPS and there's plenty of apps for handling your mileage. You know, you can look them up on, on uh, iTunes in the, in the app store. And so th there's just no reason not to document anymore because there's so many, there's so many helps out there to help us document. But that's a, that's a critical piece of it. And, and we're seeing it more and more in audits that people really, um, that the courts are taking a very hard line on documentation and, and the IRS is too. So be sure you, um, you, you meet with your, you know, your tax preparer and say, okay, what documentation exactly do I need? And make sure you keep that documentation. You're listening to Tom Wheelwright on the Cashflow Ninja podcast. We will be right back after a word from our sponsors. International Coffee Farms is a real estate-based specialty coffee farm ownership opportunity. You can own deeded, half-acre parcels in title, already operating specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama. They are turnkey managed professionally on your behalf by a team of local experts with sustainable average income of 12% and with cash flow beginning in 12 to 15 months from the date of your parcel ownership. International Coffee Farms' mission is to own and operate specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama that are economically, environmentally, and socially sustainable. As part of this mission, 20% of the gross profits of each farm goes towards a socially sustainable fund to improve the lives of the coffee farm workers and their families. International Coffee Farms currently owns and operates eight specialty coffee farms in Boguete, Panama, with parcels available for immediate ownership. To find out how you can become a parcel owner, you can download your free income opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. You're listening to Tom Wheelwright on the Cashflow Ninja podcast, and now back to our interview. And there, as you mentioned, Tom, there's so many tools out there that people can utilize. We really don't have any excuses. And for our listeners um, that's listening to this discussion and finding themselves as an employee in the cash flow quadrant that Robert and the Rich Dad Advisors teach and talk about, there are businesses that you can start from home that's going to change your situation uh, with regards to a home office uh, deduction, such as a network marketing company, right, Tom? Uh, no question. And here's something to remember. Now, you know, if you, if you read uh, Cashflow Quadrant, which is the second book in the Rich Dad series, and you look at, you know, you've got four ways to earn income as an employee, a self-employed or small business, a big business, or an, um, a professional investor, what you'll notice is that, and, and I talk about this uh, in Tax-Free Wealth, is that if you're on the left side of that quadrant, you're in trouble, okay, by definition. 
um, because the left side of the quadrant is not where all the tax benefits are. The tax benefits are over on the right side of the quadrant. In other words, the big business and, and professional investor. But here's the key. The reason the, the benefits are over on the right side of the quadrant is because the, the, the big business owner and the professional investor are professionals. And they act like professionals. And they do everything like a professional. For example, they have a full set of financial statements. Okay, they have a good set of records. They keep good documentation. I mean, they're audited, not just by the IRS, by the way, big business is audited every single year by the IRS. Okay, and they're audited every single year by the IRS, which I found actually quite hilarious that uh, President Trump said that he'd release his tax returns when he wasn't under audit. Well, Donald Trump is always under audit. Okay, it's, it's, there's, there's <laughs> the IRS audits large companies every single year. So they are literally always under audit. Um, so, and, and they're also audited by, um, by financial statement auditors, okay, by CPAs like, like myself. So they get audited all the time. So they're not afraid of an audit. Well, here's the great, here's the great news for the person that's in the small business or wants to be in the small business. As long as you operate like you're a big business owner or professional investor. You can be a small investor as long as you operate like a large investor. You can be a small business owner as long as you operate like a large business owner, you get the same benefits, okay? The challenge that people have is, and the reason the tax rates tend to be so high for the small business owner is they operate like a small business owner. They don't operate like a big business owner. If you just change the way you operate, you can still be small and get the tax benefits of the big business. And that's, that's the key here is that you have to operate like you don't have to be on the right side of the quadrant. You have to operate like the right side of the quadrant. And so you can start a multi-level marketing company out of your home. Okay. And you can have the tax benefits of, of uh, well, not quite all of them, but a lot of tax benefits of a Google or Apple. Okay. Just by operating like they do. Now, the reality is, is that you could, if you were making enough money in your multi-level marketing, you could actually get all the tax benefits of Google and Apple. I mean, you know, you know, they get tax benefits for operating overseas. You actually could do that. Okay. So there's, there's no, the, the tax law is ultimately fair from the standpoint that anybody in the same situation, two people in the exact same situation have the same, exact same tax consequences. Okay, so it's, it doesn't favor Google over Apple. Okay, it doesn't favor Apple over the, the small MLM. It doesn't. What it favors is it favors acting like a big business over acting like a small business. So the key is to just change the way you behave. Okay, and once you change the way you behave, then you're doing what the government wants you to do because they want you to have good behavior. They want you to have good financial statements. They want you to keep good records. They want you to keep good documentation. They want you to do all the things a big business would do. And when you do that, you get the tax benefits of the big business. Tom, another question that I had for you, and this comes up in conversation very regularly when you speak with real estate investors, and I think this this would shed some light for my listeners on there, is you have uh, provided really good information and just sharing advice of purchasing assets in IRAs, because for some reason, this keeps coming up in my mailbox with, with these questions. Can you speak to some in, uh, investors, and particularly real estate investors out there, that are that that are thinking 
of purchasing a real estate property and putting it in an IRA. And just, uh, I've, I've heard you share some fantastic information of just how you have to think your, your, uh, change your thinking process of how to analyze this and your approach. Yeah. And thank you for bringing that up because this is one of the, the, I, I get it all the time too. Okay. So you're not alone. Um, I see it all the time and I hear it all the time. I'm going this, uh, and, and it borders on malpractice for um, anybody, any, any tax advisor who's suggesting to put investment real estate inside an IRA. Um, really, if you're doing, if you're actually managing the real estate, there, there's, there's two big issues, okay? The first issue is, is that you're likely to violate uh, the, one of the worst penalty provisions in the inter- entire Internal Revenue Code called the prohibited transaction, where if you render services to your IRA, you then you, you blow your IRA. I mean, the whole thing's traded, distributed. You've got penalties, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, huge penalties, hundred percent penalties. I mean, they're gigantic. If you do this, okay. Well, when you manage a property inside the IRA uh, that's owned by the IRA, the IRA owns it. You don't. If you manage it, you're rendering services to the IRA. So that's the first problem. Okay. Second of all, people will go, well, what if I just do fix and flips in an IRA? I'm going, well, okay. Only problem with that is, again, you're rendering services. And on top of that, it's a business anyway. And business income is taxable in an IRA. Okay. So you're not getting it. You're not getting out of taxes by doing a business in an IRA. And frankly, you really can't. I mean, the IRA, the, the courts have just been really strong on this lately. And said, look, if you, if you do anything, you cannot, for example, here's another one. People want to take their IRA money and they want to buy a business. Okay. Well, that's great. Only guess what? You can never get a salary. The, the, the tax court a couple of years ago was very clear that said, if you take a salary from that business, okay, you have a prohibited transaction. So you can't do that. All right. Now that's, that's, that's the first problem. The second challenge is that you've effectively, let's say you take a passive investment. Let's say that you aren't managing it. It's just a a rental property and you put it in the IRA. You have taken a tax shelter and put it inside another tax shelter and created a tax expense because because you did that. It's a little like when we were kids and we learned that if you take negative one and multiply it by negative one, you get positive one. Okay, and the same thing happens here. Consider, you take um, a piece of investment real estate that is going to throw up great tax benefits. First of all, you should never be paying tax on your rental income anyway. As, as, if you've got any kind of leverage, I mean, even 75% loan-to-value leverage on your real estate, you're, you're just not going to pay tax on the income because you're going to have enough depreciation, okay, because you, you've leveraged your depreciation. You're going to have enough depreciation to offset that cash flow. And so you're not going to be paying tax on that cash flow anyway. Okay. So unless you put it into an IRA, of course, because if you put it in an IRA, you may not be taxed on that cash flow now, but when you pull it out of the IRA, you're going to be taxed on it. And not only that, you're going to be taxed on it at ordinary income rates. Okay. So you've taken this great tax shelter called real estate. You put it into another tax shelter, which is not a very good tax shelter called an IRA or a self-directed 401k. And, and you created a tax liability for yourself. 
Here's another, here's another challenge. I think that the, um, when Robert and I, Robert and uh, Ken McElroy and Garrett Sutton and I, um, the, the Ken and Garrett are two other, the rich advisors. We are in Barcelona, Spain uh, a couple of weeks ago. And we're talking about what, what are the benefits of real estate? And there are two, debt and taxes. There are two benefits, debt and taxes. Well, in an IRA, you lose both those benefits. Okay, you lose a lot of the debt because the bank's not going to lend to an IRA because you can't personally guarantee it. Okay, if you're a small investor, okay, if you're a big investor, you're not going to do it anyway because no big investor ever puts their you know money into an IRA. So because they know the ta- they lose their tax benefits, so you can't leverage as much. So you've given up a huge amount of your leverage. Um, most banks they they just don't want to lend to an IRA. There's too much risk for them. And so, um, because it's effectively a non-recourse loan at that point, they have, they cannot go after you. You can't guarantee that loan because again, that would be a private transaction. So you can't do that. So the, the idea of it, you know, if, if you're, now there are limited situations. Let's say that you're buying, let's say, first of all, that you have a Roth IRA or Roth borrowing case. So you're not going to be taxed on this money. Okay. That's number one. So. If you're going to, okay, so rule number one is if you were ever to put real estate into an IRA, it needs to go into a Roth IRA. Second of all, let's say that, that you're not going to leverage for whatever reason. You don't, you don't believe in debt. You don't like debt. You're going to be taxed on your cash flow because you're going to have, if, you have, uh, if you're doing any decent real estate investment at all, if you're not leveraging it, you're going to have taxable income. So that would be a case where you could put it into a Roth 401k. You're not leveraging anyway, and then you might be okay. Another case might be is that, that you're a passive investor, okay? And you're not going to get the tax benefits from the real estate anyway, okay? And you're never going to do a 1031 exchange because you're investing in large deals. You know, you're, you're, you're doing private equity money. And that's another case where could you do it in a, in a Roth IRA? Yes. Okay. Still wouldn't do it in a, I still wouldn't do it in a regular IRA because, again, you're converting. It, it, the other thing you're doing, by the way, in an IRA is you convert capital gain to ordinary income. Because when you sell that property, of course, you're going to have capital gain. I mean, presumably, one of the reasons you invest in real estate is because you're, you're, you're expecting it to appreciate in value, whether it's you who does if you're doing the work on the properties to make an increase in value, whether it's the market that's just increasing value, or whether it's the, the, the person you're investing with that's getting its increase in value, you're hoping it's going to increase in value. Well, when it does, it's going to be, it's going to be a capital gain, except when you do it inside an IRA, it's now an ordinary income. Okay, so you just converted 20% um, income or 15% income to anywhere from 30 to 40% income just by putting it into an IRA. So if, if, if those numbers aren't enough, I'll, I'll tell you, I actually ran the numbers once on um, in investing in uh, uh, just, just regular investing, uh, 80% loan to value um, real estate in an IRA versus not an IRA. And after seven years, the, the, the difference is phenomenal. I mean, the amount of, of wealth that you generate outside of an IRA, even if you pull your money out of the IRA to do it and have to pay 50% tax and penalty on it, even if you do that after seven years, the, the, the difference is you're, you're like 10 times better off investing outside of an IRA. So um, thanks for, for bringing this up. I, I, I am rather passionate about this point because I, I see people do it. 
and it's usually bad tax advice. And it's this whole idea that, well, but if I pull my money out of an IRA, I'm going to have to pay tax on it. You're going to pay tax on it anyway. That makes no sense. The only difference is, are you going to have to pay the penalty? There's a 10% penalty. That's the only difference. If I pull it out now, I pay the 40% tax plus the 10% penalty. If I pull it out later, I pay the 40% tax and no 10% penalty. But that 10% penalty will never make up for the, the lost tax benefits and the lost leverage that, that you get when you're investing inside an IRA versus outside of an IRA. Probably, probably more than you wanted, right? <laughs> no, no, that's perfect. And if you're going to pay taxes, pay taxes on the seed, not the harvest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Now, Tom, you are in an ever-changing industry. And one habit I've observed from wealthy and successful people is that they're always studying new subjects and learning new skill sets. What are you currently studying and what skill sets are you currently learning? Um, uh, actually, the, the book I just finished uh, studying was uh, uh, Jim Rickard's new book, um, Road to Ruin. So highly recommend that. It will uh, <laughs> may scare the, scare the daylights out of you, but it's a really good read. And uh, he, he, he makes a very good case for a, a, a big crash coming. Um, and, uh, a, a, but then the, the skill sets I'm learning, actually, thanks for asking that question. Well, I, I, think, I think we have to recognize that technology is the future. And so I expect my profession to go away. Um, I, I, I expect that my profession will effectively go away, that the uh, big four uh, accounting firms, uh, Young KPMG and the like are um, that they've been heard to say that they are um, they're going to uh, eliminate eighty percent of their professional talent over the next ten years. Um, That's because they've got computers to do auditing. Why would they need people to do that? Computers can do it, and they're and and the big four they're they're actually taking on bookkeeping now. Why? Because they've got technology to do it. I mean, they're paying, you know, the salaries that they have to pay their people are much higher than, you know, a a small local accounting firm, but they can actually compete with small local accounting firm because their technology is better. So that's, um, that, that, that's where my interest and and my energies lie is, is all technology. No, thank you for sharing that. And that is definitely the, <laughs> that's where we're going. And it's only accelerating. We live in extremely exciting times with a lot of changes coming and continuous change and disruptors being disrupted. So uh, studying and, and increasing your, your level, your skill sets in technology is, is an absolute necessity. A core message in our show is to leave our families, communities, and the world better than we found it by passing down a mindset, values, and principles to future generations, not just money. So if you cannot pass on any money to future generations, and we're only allowed to pass on three principles to them to build wealth and achieve happiness and success, what would they be? For me, if you, if, if, those three would be uh, taxes, leverage, and velocity. So you want, you want to pass something on to your kids, pass those three things on, that you've got to pay attention and take advantage of taxes because they're your single based expense leverage, which means leveraging both knowledge, leveraging knowledge, leveraging people and uh, talent, as well as leveraging money and velocity, which means that you have to keep your money moving, which um, uh, I, I, I did check you out before, before we did our interview here. 
And I know that really that, that philosophy, keeping your money moving is a big part of what you do. And I applied you for that because most people think the idea of building wealth is parking it and parking your money is just not a very smart idea. Okay. I mean, it just won't grow very fast if you park it. Um, I find that most people, their challenge is, is that they are focused, they're, they're taking a, a strategy, a wealth strategy, which is intended to protect your assets called diversification okay that's what mutual funds are about they're about diversification that that is a the purpose of diversification is is to protect your assets well if you don't have any assets why are you focused on protecting them you want to be focused on growing your assets in order to grow your assets until you at some point in your life you're going to want to diversify hopefully because you're going to want to protect your assets. You're going to retire. You're going to have your, your, your money in a place where you're going, I'd really like to diversify now. I, I really want to protect my assets. I built my assets. I want to protect them. Great. But wh- why are you using a protection strategy while you're in, in order to try to build your wealth? That makes no sense. It's, it's, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a strategy that you're going to use sometime, but not now. What the, the strategy, if you're growing your assets, your strategy has to be on focus. It has to be on using debt and taxes. And it has to be on constantly moving your money so that you constantly are improving and, and getting higher rates of return on your money. And you can only do that by moving it. Amen. I, <laughs> that's exactly what we talk about here on the, on the show as well. And it just amazes me too that the biggest banking institutions and financial institutions, the guys that really try to, uh, you know, not scared, but those are the guys selling diversification, mutual funds, and so forth. Um, they're telling you to park your money <laughs> inside their institutions while they're turning their money over and over and over. And right. Over with as much leverage as possible continuously. That's right. That's exactly right. Well, Tom, uh, how can my audience learn more about you and your company and stay informed of all of the projects that you're involved with? Well, I appreciate that. Um, uh, I would suggest people go to taxfreewealthadvisor.com, taxfreewealthadvisor.com. And and while there, they can get a free uh, chapter 23 of my book, How to Find a Good Tax Advisor how to find the best tax advisor, and also subscribe to our weekly report. Um, we, we, we actually, a, a lot of the information we've been talking about today, it comes out weekly in a weekly report. It's free. And uh, we just want to get the word out because we, we're on a mission. So just like you're on a mission, we're on a mission. And that mission is uh, financial literacy uh, around the world. And so we'd, we'd love to have you if you, it, it, um, you can, um, if you're interested in services of any type, or you just want to talk to somebody in our office, you can set up a consultation right there at taxfreewealthadvisor.com. So that is by far the easiest way, taxfreewealthadvisor.com to uh, both, you know, learn about, uh, learn about taxes, learn about how, how you can actually make taxes your friend instead of your enemy, and uh, maybe learn about, um, uh, maybe do a little test to see if you really do have um, the right tax advisor. And, and you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not promoting this. I want to be really clear. Um, we have plenty of clients. We're not looking, you know, we're, we're not looking for um, uh, more clients. We'll, we'll, we, we take them from time to time. But what we're really after is changing your profession and helping you find a better tax, uh, really encouraging better tax professionals and encouraging you to find better tax professionals. So 
please take advantage of that. Please um, go to taxfreewealthadvisor.com and we would, we would love to help any way we can. No, and I love your mission, Tom, and the information that you keep putting out, and especially with Tax-Free Wealth, a book, um, just to see with the spreading of this, this information and this powerful information, you guys are trying to raise all boats in the industry and financial services industry, which is quite remarkable and amazing to see. So um, thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for your time today and coming on your show and sharing just your journey and your knowledge around this extremely important topic. I've had a blast having you on and it's been a fantastic experience. Hey, thanks very much. It's, it's always great. And, uh, you know, anytime you want to talk, just let me know. Happy to, uh, happy to um, help in any way we can. Perfect. Thank you, Tom. Hi, this is MC Lobsher, the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. As you may know, I'm also the president and chief wealth strategist of Valhalla Wealth Financial. We help individuals, families, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and professionals build their wealth outside of Wall Street and help investors maximize the use of every dollar in their personal economy and boost their investment gains. We do this by combining their capital and investments with the financial vehicle of the wealthy, according to the infinite banking concept. If you are interested in learning more, you can email me at info at cashflowninja.com and I will send you a copy of Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. Thank you for joining my guest, Tom Wheelwright, and myself on the Cashflow Ninja today. If you like what you hear and appreciate what we're trying to build here at the Cashflow Ninja, please subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes and share our show with family, friends, and your network. I'm always trying to learn and improve in every area of my life, so if there's any way that I could provide more value to you and serve you better, please reach out to me at info at cashflowninja.com. Jimmy Freeland and Bob Scott have been in your shoes and have used real estate investing to become financially free. They've designed a system to take any beginner to an experienced deal-making investor in the least amount of time. They offer opportunities from basic education, coaching, bridge loan investing to turnkey investments in the cash-flowing market of St. Louis, Missouri. For more information, please visit joinupsproperties.com or call Jimmy and Bob at 314-799-2247. Coffee is a proven product in a $90 billion industry worldwide. Through international coffee farms, you have a chance to own and operate your own half-acre parcels in a specialty coffee farm in Panama, professionally turnkey managed for you. You can download your coffee farm ownership opportunity report at cashflowninja.com forward slash Panama. That's our show for today, everyone. Until next time, live a life of passion and purpose on your terms. You have been listening to the Cashflow Ninja with your host, MC Laubscher, the podcast empowering and inspiring people to discover how to generate their own income and manage, grow, and protect their own wealth in the new economy. Today's show notes and resources are available on our website, cashflowninja.com. 
This presentation is for educational and informational purposes only. The information being presented and considered does not consider your particular financial objectives or situation, and it does not make personalized recommendations. This material is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified tax and legal advisor or other qualified professionals, and you should not use the information in place of a customized consultation with a licensed professional regarding your specific personal financial objective, situation, and needs. We believe the information provided is reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, timeliness, or completeness.